You're listening to Football Friday Night On Demand exclusively on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stay up to date with high school football scores, updates, and news by downloading the free 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. Welcome in on the final episode of the Football Friday Night Podcast On Demand. Adrian Broaddus along with my co-host Alex Nikolas. We're back from a little bit of a hiatus, uh, but we do have some news. Alex, I'm just I'm, I'm going to be volunteering you, man. Over the offseason, we're going to have some fun. We're going to do some offseason coverage as well. The, uh, the 915 All-Star Combine in the Greater El Paso Football Showcase is right around the corner as well. But a trio of teams have advanced to the area round of the playoffs. That's why we got we to gotta do this. We got to bring you back for the podcast, Alex, and uh, we got to talk all sorts of high school football, man. It's uh, been a while, but I'm so happy to do this. How's everything going with you, man? Hey, man, we're over here partying like it's 2014 with with three teams returning to the regional semifinals. I mean, what a what a storybook season for sure. Um, and it's not over yet. You know, you look at we're going to talk about it. There's some teams with some chances, so. Maybe, maybe this isn't our last one for the season. Yes. Maybe we'll be back yes. next week. Who knows? I'm, I'm all for that, man. I like the positivity that you're saying right there. I said it's the last one. We got to keep going. We got to keep going on this. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to get to some storylines, some stats. But before we do any of that, there, Alex, I, I need to ask you: When we started off this season, and, and you've covered high school football for a long time here in El Paso, when we started this season, did you anticipate a trio of teams advancing to the third? round of the playoffs like we're seeing right now no definitely not I mean you know every year we sort of tier teams you know we, we look at them as district titles contenders uh you know we look at teams that are district titles sure like for sure they're going to be district champs and then we look at teams that could possibly make playoff runs and, and if you ask me that maybe one two possible teams are in there um you know Canofio would have been one if you're if you're asking me as far as you know playoff placement in their bracket. Um, but definitely, I mean, you know, you're looking at, I'm looking at a team square like Eastwood. Um, if you would have asked me after they got beat by Eastlake back on October 15th, if they would be in the third round of the playoffs, um, you know, beating two really good teams, I would tell you no. Um, but, you know, that's the beauty of high school football, and that's the beauty of each week. And really what is the Texas high school football playoffs is anybody can beat anybody to a certain point. And I think what we're seeing here are, uh, great matchups as far as, uh, you know, teams where, you know, you're not playing the super teams like El Paso teams have. I'm talking about like Denton Ryan back in 2019. Um, you know, you kind of been able to avoid those where the playing field is somewhat even. And, you know, these El Paso teams have taken big, big advantage of it. But what it does w- more for me, what, what this is, is, is about, you know, coaching week to week and credit to these coaches and these players for continuing to stick it out, you know, teams like Eastwood, even a team like Canotillo, who has an 11-1 and record, but how well have the Eagles played, really, Adrian, since the middle of October? Um, you know, could argue that they could beat any 6-8 team in town as well. So yeah. the coaching is getting better. The, the attention to detail is getting better, not only over the summer, but during the season. And I think that's a big, big credit to these coaches of all three of these teams um, that have just continued to grow their teams. And, you know, you, you look at even a team like Riverside, who's known – for their offense coming into the season. Well, their defense is, is, is not very bad. Their defense is maybe could be argued as one of the better units right now on that team. So, you know, credit to these coaches for continuing to, to evolve their team. And I think that's one thing that we haven't seen in the past. You know, El Paso, when we have that Aaron Dumas, for instance, or, or that one good player, it seems to be revolved around them. Well, when you look at all three of these teams, um, they all have a star player, but they've coaches have been able to build around them, not only on the offensive side, where it's all three of those star players reside, but also 
defensively, and, and that is that's solid coaching, and, and that's what's going to help and give teams an advantage come these games where maybe you're disadvantaged from a uh, from a talent perspective, but from a schematic perspective and from what you're what you've been evolving. You know, you come out there and you're really hard to prepare for, and I think that's what we're seeing with these three teams so far in the playoffs. So before we get into uh, the round of 16, as we're talking about right now for both for all three of Riverside, Eastwood, and Canyoteo, I got to ask you, Alex, from the first two rounds of the playoffs thus far, by district round and area round, what has been your biggest surprise? I'll give you mine first. My biggest surprise was seeing Parkland upset Austin in the by district round and advance it to the playoffs. Uh, they had a very, very arduous test against uh, Lubbock Cooper last week in the area round. But I, f- I felt like that really um, gives you momentum if you're Parkland going into next year with a younger squad. You have running back Isaiah Beasley. You have uh, the offensive tackle in Tyrone McDuffie. And you also have, of course, their sophomore quarterback, Eric Ortiz. And I think I buried the lead here, DJ Chris Daniels. What a standout wideout he is. That's one of the teams that really um, surprised me at least in the bi-district round of the playoff? I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you one real quick that's in that same 5A Division two Horizons upset win over Burgess. I mean, wow. What, Great one. What a, pin, what a pinnacle for the career of Ernie Garcia and Jacob Quijas. I mean, um, you know, that, that right there to me is a program-changing win for Horizon. Of course, those two kids graduate. Um, but, you know, that, that's something that, that will always be remembered there. Um, and I'll, honestly, I'm, I'm going to kind of keep on, on a team that's alive um, the way that Riverside handled themselves in, in the playoffs, you know, a 34-7 win over Big Spring. They were up on Lake Worth early in that game. Lake Worth was able to fight back, and, and, and uh, Riverside held them off there in the last couple of minutes. But Riverside is doing the exact same formula that they did during the regular season, albeit um, they're not going to run the score up on Team 70 to nothing or 59 to 12 like they did during district play. But that's very impressive to see. Um, Angel Munoz have the same success in the playoffs that he's having during the regular season in terms of their power run game with him and his big playability. That to me is something special and something that, you know, we, we knew Riverside had that talent, you know, as far as, as, as Angel Munoz, but what it, what it manifests in the playoffs to the level that it's been. And I think that's really what's been a really big surprise for me, an exciting surprise more than anything, because this team really has a legitimate chance going forward. But, um, you know, shout out to Horizon, though. That was one of the bigger upsets. Um, just like you mentioned with, with, with that parking upset. I mean, those are 1A, 1B um, in terms of some of the big in-town upsets that we had in that by-district round. Well, let's. it's a perfect segue right here. You talking about Angel Speedy Munoz to us talking about Saturday's matchup. Let's start with the 4A ranks. The Riverside Rangers take on the Springtown Porcupines. Uh, I can't I can't get past this, man. That logo, that uh, helmet, the Porcupines, that is such a cool logo. Before we get into this actual game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was joke. I kept saying porcupines to myself all day Monday listening to the radio broadcast. So it's uh, another one of those, uh, you know, traditional schools from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They've been playing football there for a while. Um, you know, very impressed with, with the way that they were able to, to, to overcome that game against Andrews. I mean, this is a very young team. Um, they're starting running back Matthew Lockhart over 1,000 yards. He's really the lone senior um, on that team that, that's really putting up the production that you would think. Their quarterback, um, a sophomore, Hudson Hewitt, uh, just under 2,000 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, uh, seven to seven interceptions. He can also run the ball. He has nine rushing touchdowns on average, is 5.3 yards per carry. This is a very tough matchup here for Riverside. Um, but the way I look at it 
is that this game could be a shootout. I really see this game being a very high-scoring game. If I'm setting the under, the over-under in this game, I'm looking at about 76.5, and, and that's very generous. Nice. Um, I think both teams can really move the ball. It's going to come down to turnovers, and that's going to be kind of a theme. I may sound like a broken record as we break down these three games because turnovers always turn the tide in playoff games. Um, you know, and I think that's really going to be the key because that's what Connell Theo does. Or excuse me, not Connell Theo. We'll get to Connell Theo here shortly. That's what uh, that's what Riverside does. You know, you're looking at at some one point of the season, Adrian. They had 28 turnovers, uh, or 28 takeaways. That is, and then same thing. If you look at, at Springtown, they have 27 takeaways. So this is these teams to me look very evenly matched in terms of what they do. Obviously, Springtown's going to throw the ball just a little bit more. Uh, than Riverside is. Riverside may want to control the ball a little bit, but Riverside has big playability, not only with Angel Munoz, like we mentioned, but with Jose Guardado back there as well. And I think this one this one could really, really turn into a track meet. Um, this is going to be the, the, the epitome of a, of a big-time playoff game with, with some great offensive players and, and, some, and some intrigue there. And, of course, you know, both of these quarterbacks are underclassmen, so you, you're talking about some inexperience there now. For Springtown, looking at, at their sort of recent playoff history, this is no stranger to them. Um, you know, lo- looking at, at really where they've been over the past couple of years, this has been a, 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 they've been in this round uh, pretty consistently here. So, that, as far as the, the big lights, uh, when you get into that aspect of the game, as far as the big game, you know, where have you been? Have you been here before? Um, you know, this is now the third straight year that bring, that uh, Springtown has wow. made it past the third round. Um, you know, they 2019, they made it all the way to the state semifinals, lost to Waco, La Vega. Last year, they lost to Canyon 17-14 in this round. So this team knows what it is or what it takes to be at this level, um, at least in recent history. And we all know, you know, for Riverside, this is the first time Riverside's been this far, really since I, I would say 2004, I may be mistaken there. Um, but, you know, that, I also look, look into that as a factor as well um, in terms of the coaching staff, you know, and, and that's what, what, I, what I really think, um, you know, you're looking at playoff experience versus a very talented team. It's going to be a crazy game. You know, I, I, throw, I throw out experience a little bit with Riverside just because of how good Angel Munoz is. And I think it's getting to the point, Adrian, where Adrian, uh, excuse me, where Angel Munoz is just that good to expect three or four touchdowns, 200 rushing games <laughs> consistently, no matter who it is that he's going up against. And I think that's, that's advantage Riverside if, if things go his way. All right, let's uh, break down both teams a little bit more. Uh, you talked about Springtown. They're coming off a 43-33 victory against Andrews last week. Springtown is ranked number 20 in the Texas 4A Division I uh, ranks. At, so they're 20th overall. Their head coach, Brian Hullett, their quarterback, his son, Hudson Hullett, he had 192 passing yards last week in the win against Andrews, two touchdowns. Uh, they also like to balance a ground game going too, so they, they can kind of do it all when you're talking about Springtown. Now, flipping it on the other side with Riverside, I'm going to give you two of the most eye-popping stats from last week's win against Lake Worth, which, by the way, was a grind. It was an absolute grind for the Riverside Rangers. It was Angel Speedy Munoz, uh, the, uh, what are we going to call him, the city's future offensive MVP, the current, you know, just, just call him the city MVP right now, 126 passing yards, 262 rushing uh, yards, four rushing touchdowns against Lake Worth, but defensively, you you like the defensive stats, Alex. Here, I'm going to throw this one at you. Adrian Estrada, 13 tackles, a forced fumble against Lake Worth. I mean, that defense can really get it done, too. 
they really can get it done. And, and Rudy Valenzuela is another one of those top, top defensive players. And one thing that, that gets a little bit under credit is their defensive line. They run an odd front out there, too. And, um, you know, another angle to look at this game, Lake Worth and Springtown, they're district opponents. And um, you're looking at Spring, uh, Lake Worth put it on Springtown on October 8th, 48-19, to 19, and that's a team that – that uh, that Riverside beat last week. If you're into score comparison, so you could sort of see, you know, the the the, the sort of the vulnerability of, of of Springtown in a sense with those those tremendous stats on both sides of the ball, Riverside. So, you know, I, even though you know the rest of the state may look at Riverside as as an underdog in this one, I'm gonna I, I would put a line about Riverside four and a half, Riverside five points in this one, just based off scores, based off the stats that we bring up. I mean, very similar, but. I give. I, I, I'm really starting to believe, like I mentioned, that that Angel Munoz is really just that next level player that we're seeing. You know that he's. You you, you always talk. I, I always joke when I would cover uh, UTEP football about um, you know the war stat. That's a baseball stat, but wins above replacement. I think you can start counting that for uh, Angel Munoz. Maybe he's worth five points a game if he steps on the field. And I think when you're looking at an even matchup that this one is now. Even though I compared a score from the early October, you know th- th- these teams are pretty much dead even. But that Angel Munoz factor to me, give me a war of five point five for him. Um, you know, and, and that's that's where I really feel like Riverside can be the favorite in this game. But again, turnovers—that's a big deal. You know, if you give them momentum, especially in a playoff game where it's neutral, um, the stakes are a little bit higher. Your reaction to that turnover may be a little bit different than it would be in that October eighth game. Uh, you know, that's really what, what kind of concerns me as far as Riverside's uh, inexperience compared to where Springtown's been the past couple of years. And I'm sure there's plenty of players that have been around both of those playoff runs in 2019 and 2020 for Springtown. But, um, you know, Angel Munoz, man, we could do a whole hour podcast about how good this kid is and he just continues to improve each week out. Let's uh, move along and talk a little bit about the Canateo Eagles and uh, what they were able to do last week against Randall, another tough opponent, 27-24, grinding out that win. It was a tough one for them, and it looked like Randall was really going to come back late in that game, but uh, Canateo was able to hold on strong and win that game thanks to their standout running back, LJ Martin, the junior, 259 on the ground, a pair of rushing touchdowns. Now on the season, Alex, he has 2,592 rushing rushing yards, which I just love right there for uh, the Canutillo tailback. And uh, again, I'm going to bring up two more defensive guys, and it's the Cadillo brothers. I don't know why we haven't talked about this as far as the storyline goes. Freshman, Edward Cadillo in this game against, uh, remember, against Randall. They He had 11 tackles, co-led the team. He had five, a whopping five pass breakups in this game. And then his brother, Chewy Cadillo, 11 tackles as well. They're the two co-leaders in total tackles in that game, and he forces a fumble. So I love these guys, not only because they're monsters on the field, but Edward Cadillo is just a freshman. Chewy Cadillo is just a junior. Yeah, I mean, man, I mean, these guys just continue to get better. That's what's really, really impressed me um, about both of those kids and that Cadillo defense all year long is how much how much better they've gotten just week to week. And we knew that, um, you know, even that, that game against Eastlake where, where they took one on the chin against Eastlake, I think that was really a turning point to that game because um, our turning point to their season. And not only that, another turning point would be that overtime win against Del Valle. Um, you know, those kids really grew up in that game, especially Chuy Carrillo, um, who is probably the 5A Division II 
um, or the 5A, where they D1, or the 5A, D2, uh, 1-5A, uh, district player of the year in terms of defense. I mean, this kid really has the talent to do that. He has the stats to do it. Um, you know, and you're looking at, at the younger Cario, just a freshman, making the impact that he's made. Uh, you know, this Camofillo team, and, and not to look ahead, but they're going to be good for the next two or three years. You know, there's no doubt about it. This is sort of a foundation year for them to what's to come. And those two players on that defensive end um, are catalysts of that. And it's been really fun to watch this team just continually get better um, you know, Scott Brooks and his staff, I know his defensive coordinator has been there for a long time. And it's just, you know, that continuity, that trust that they have in, in each other in terms of, of everybody on that defense. And another guy that really has stood out to me as well, um, Abel Gallardo Perez. You know, he has over 83 tackles at outside linebacker spot. You know, those backers for that kind of defense make things go. That front three creates havoc. Those backers are there every time. They're never out of place. They're sound. They're in a good athletic position. They tackle well. Um, they understand their run fits in terms of, of, of what they're trying to do and what they're reading defensively. And the mental aspect, uh, to me, uh, of how strong this team has gotten, uh, especially last week, you know, holding down um, what I felt was, was a, you know, maybe one of the more explosive passing games that we've seen out of a Randall team in a while. And they pretty much held them down for most of that game, holding them to, to a couple of field goals, really, when Randall needed a touchdown. That was key to me is to see the kind of field defense step up the way they did in the thick of that game when Randall, all they needed was a score to get back into the game, and the kind of field defense held tough. So that's, that's what's been impressive about that defensive unit. It's just their, their, continued, their, their commitment to improvement and their commitment to excellence, uh, excellence and that, that is a Raider rep. Uh, Open or Las Vegas Raider reference there. <laughs> I like it. I like it right there. Uh, Kenya Teal, just like Riverside, plays at Midland Grande Communications Stadium. It's a Friday kickoff of 3 o'clock. Alex Nicolas will have the coverage for us on 600 ESPN El Paso as part of Football Friday Night. Uh, wanted to talk to you about Ryder. I, I need to get the breakdown from Ryder from you. They're number 14 in 5A Division Two. They beat Andrus last week, 37-13, and they were probably the only team on on Lubbock Cooper's schedule, who gave them a really good game. It was a 20-12 to finish, uh, the closest game all year pretty much for Lubbock Cooper. Uh, and uh, in, in this one, Alex, it should be a great one as uh, Candy Teo tries to top Ryder. Give me the latest on this team. Yeah, you know, your typical Ryder team, you know, big, physical. Um, they have a, a, a tremendous defensive line, maybe one of the best defensive lines um, in this Region 1 bracket for sure. Um, and then they have a budding star in Anquan Willis, who I actually saw as a freshman against Andrus uh, three years ago, had a big coming out game. Well, now he's a junior. Um, he's getting looked at by Texas Tech. He'll probably end up being a, a Red Raider. Um, they also have another good defensive lineman. He's, he's, he's more, they have a lot of guys running both ways, but Jordan Gibbs is another guy that I heard his name called time and time again from the defensive line spot. Um, you know, this is a team that, that's very balanced in what they do. Very, very balanced in terms of what they do. They have guys that can run the ball on you. They can throw short screens. Um, but what stands out to me is the physicality of this team. And I think that's really what's the, the, the better matchup, I guess you can say, in this game is, is who's going to be more physical because it's going to be one of those slobber knockers. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, as, as good as, as this Ryder team has been in the past, the only disadvantage is that it, they had a super team with a really good quarterback and a, and a and a, a group of, of, of tremendous skill players with all those guys graduated. So they've really had to put things together uh, in terms of their offense to get uh, offense really kind of piece them back together. So that's something that they've been working on all year long. Um, you know, and I think Conotillo has just that side advantage because Conotillo has 
the LJ Martins of the world, you know what I mean, that, that are out here producing. So, you know, it's going to be one of those games that's just one at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, in terms of who can run the ball. That's really what, what it's going to be to me. And then, and then Jordan Gibbs, slowing down Jordan Gibbs and Anquan Willis. Those are going to be two big-time players. And, of course, uh, you know, Jack Pitts, our quarterback, another guy that, that's – he's a junior, first year in the program starting – been in the program, obviously, but his first year as a starter, um, he got up, really got off to a hot start last week. So, you know, for Cano Field, they're going to have their hands full, not only with the physicality um, of Ryder, but when you have those two very, very dynamic athletes out of the backfield in Jordan Gibbs and Anquan Willis. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Eastwood Troopers. And before we even you know break down their game against Saginaw Boswell, we mentioned it before. Uh, we'll say it again. I, I think I counted out this team. I was checked out after the Pebble Hills game, and uh, you know all all credit to Julio Lopez. All credit to senior quarterback Andrew Martinez. Look, they talked about it before the season even started. Alex, they they knew that this was a senior group of guys that that wanted to win now, and they understood that this was their window right here. Win this year and do it with this special bunch. They weren't able to win necessarily the games they needed to in district play, but maybe the the momentum that they gained at the end of the season helped propel them uh, for the playoffs and kind of a, hey, you know, we don't have anything to lose. They're going into this one with nothing to lose, and I like that mentality right there. And uh, Eastwood, hey, it all matters in November. If you're playing deep in November, it doesn't matter what kind of district record you finished off in or what what you finished off in 6A as far as the standings go. For this Eastwood Troopers team, they're going to ride that momentum that they went too deep in the playoffs. And uh, for Julio Lopez, for this team, for uh, the Troopers and and the squad, I'm just real happy for them that they're able to get to this point. You know, talking about, uh, you know, getting better as the season goes on, I mean, that's definitely what you're seeing with Eastwood. And, um, you know, not only that, but I think we got to start giving – the credit that is deserved to Andrew Martinez, uh, you know, he's been a consistent, he's been a consistent athlete, uh, just a, a consistent performer really since his sophomore year, since he's gone onto the scene. And you look at what he's done this year, uh, obviously going to pass 4,000 yard passing, which I believe I got to look that up. That could be, he could be very close to uh, Mark Torres's record, former Eastwood quarterback as well under uh, Julio Lopez. I'll try to pull that up right now, but, um, you know, that kid deserves a lot of the credit as far as, as, as what this team is doing. And, you know, I, I said it before on this podcast, I said it a lot, you know, in high school football, if you have one of these special quarterbacks, which Andrew Martinez has been since his sophomore year, you're going to have a chance, you know, you're really going to have a chance. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Um, you know, not only can this kid uh, throw the ball at a high level, but he, but when they need a first down on the ground, when they need that inside the 10 the yard line touchdown, He's he's going to deliver, and I think that's really what what's what's starting to become a consistent thing for him. Um, you know, it, it's just his 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 opportunity to deliver. And not, so, looking at these stats here, um, when you look at who's the the all time leader in terms of, of passing yards in the city, that would be AJ Briggs, four thousand seven hundred seventy seven yards. And you look at Mr. Martinez, three thousand nine hundred twenty one yards. Of course, games uh, I believe Briggs only played twelve games that year. So, but hey. That, that, what's the goal? The goal is to play 16 years, uh, 16 games every season, right? So, you know, that, that just shows how special that this kid is. Not only is he up there in the upper echelon of Eastwood quarterbacks, but I'd put him up there against the upper echelon of quarterbacks we've seen uh, in the city. And that goes up there with, with the Ed Stanberries and the, and the, the, and the uh, Steven and Raymond Montez. And this kid's special. He's really special, and he gets an opportunity to continue building on that. 
Um, you know, with a very, very formidable opponent, though, in this next round. So, Mark Torres, senior year, 3,837 passing yards. So, now you can really compare those numbers with a guy like uh, Andrew Martinez. And I, I really like that, you know, the fact that. So, where did Mark Torres end up? That's my question to you, Alex. Where did he end up in that all time list? He ended up, he was leading it for a while. He had the record for a while. And then AJ Briggs. Um, that big year that he had, I think I want to say that was Hankins' junior year. Right. That's when Briggs really had that big that year where they were just chucking it around with that four thousand yard passing season. So, um, so is it fair to say that Andrew Martinez is now second in the in the city? Yeah, no. As, as of right now, he's second. You know, like I said, four thousand seventy-seven. That's wow. what Briggs had. So yeah, he's pretty. And I mean, the 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 pace of that Eastwood offense. I mean, what we're going to give him maybe over under six minute mark of the second quarter to, to pass that. I mean, that I'm not a big mathematician, but that's <laughs> maybe less than a hundred yards that he has to throw to break that or a little bit more than a hundred. No yards one's talking me. about so, this, Alex. This has not been, this has not been talked about this week. And I just, I, it just hit me right now when I looked at his total numbers and I knew that AJ Briggs was the only 4,000. I knew that, that Torres had that uh, 3000 yard season, but it slipped my mind until I looked, uh, pulled up the record book right now with, with AJ Briggs. So, you know, we're talking about a kid that, that is really, I mean, looking at his career stats, I mean, Andrew uh, Hernandez has done this, like or Andrew Martinez, excuse me, has done this since his sophomore year, since he's taken over. So, I mean, um, you know, this kid, and I saw somebody tweet it out, and it wasn't one of us guys in El Paso. It was somebody from uh, across the state that says that this kid's under-recruited, and there's no yep. doubt. I mean, you're looking at his numbers this year, just numbers alone, 779 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns. We talked about the passing game, but – uh, are his passing numbers, but the fact that he's winning games, I mean, that to me, you know, they say QB wins isn't a, isn't a stat. I baloney. I am a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in, in your quarterback, especially at the high school level. You have that quarterback, you're going to have an opportunity. And that's what we've really seen uh, with not only Andrew Martinez, but with Eastwood. And, and I talked to you about it off air about, you know, why Eastwood has success over the past couple of years, maybe not so much these deep playoff runs, but, they gave they've given some teams some some fits in the playoffs because of their offense because of their quarterback play. Give me good quarterback play, I I, I want that team's gonna be is gonna have an opportunity in each game, and I think that's what we're seeing here uh, with the Eastwood program under Julio Lopez. Alex, uh, this is this is really awesome stuff. I almost want to share this, but I don't want to psych the kid out. So maybe we just do it after the fact, and we just say I'll, I'll throw it in my story or something like that. I'll cr- I'll credit this podcast, but uh, I I definitely don't want to psych this kid out. If it was like Jacob Cowing, you know, in his opportunity to try to break uh, career milestones or single season milestones, sure, he's a college player and he wants to go pro. He's got to you know face this at some point. But maybe for Andrew Martinez, we won't psych him out yet. How about that? Yeah, maybe we could wait until like, they're they're about to start the game when they're on the field. Maybe we'll we'll tweet that out like Saturday, like at eleven o'clock, where they don't see it, um, and then they could retweet it after the game. You know, once once he breaks the record. So yeah, we'll, we should, we we'll, we should keep that one uh, definitely away. You don't you don't want to we don't want to hit, hit the psyche. We want, we want the win. We want them to be able to. To win next week to add to that record. Okay, yeah, I'm with you on that completely. Uh, let's talk about this game. Prosper is number 34 in the state of Texas. They're number 19 in 6A. Prosper is a team who beat Grand Prairie 
58-13. to They had 559 total yards of offense in that game. And uh, wow. when I was looking at Prosper, I kind of thought, man, this – actually kind of looks like Eastwood. You know, they run that kind of sp- – they like to spread the ball a- across the field. They really like to, uh, you know, move the ball in kind of an air raid system, but they do balance it out on a ground attack. They're very balanced uh, a lot through the air and a lot on the ground. That 559 was uh, pretty much evenly split in the passing and running game, uh, but this Prosper team look- looks pretty tough, especially what they were able to do to Grand Par- uh, Prairie last week. Yeah, you're talking about a team that's battle tested from the Dallas area. I mean, just look at their, you know, just, just look at their 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 schedule. You know, you play South Lake Carroll your third game of the season, you get shut out. But how about this? They beat Allen University, uh, you know, October 29, 28-23, which I don't think Allen had lost a, a district game. Man, I'd have to let me go back and that. I think 20, uh, they hadn't lost two games in a regular season since 2005, and Allen was ranked at that point. Um, you know, so that in itself just shows you where this team is. Harrison Rosar is their quarterback. Um, you know, obviously, just like we talked about, Andrew Martinez, the kid is in the same mold. Um, you know, those Dallas-Fort Worth uh, quarterbacks are just really, really something else. And, uh, you know, that win, I think, really propelled them when they beat uh, Allen because what that did is that got them into the playoffs. And, of course, next week they, next week they end up losing to a really good uh, McKinney Boy team, but you know, nonetheless, you are you're talking about a, a team that's battle tested. Um, you know, a team that's played two of the top programs in in, in, in recent history and not in high school football history. Um, you know, that that to me is always tough. That that's always tough going against these Dallas teams. They're fast. They're they're big. They have depth. You know, some of these teams have a three deep a three deep depth chart with you know where the where the three is just as equally as good as the one. That's what you run into when you run into these Dallas teams, and that's what, what really worries me about about this Eastwood game. But again, Eastwood's ability to put up points uh, has been impre- has been impressive. But I don't know if this defense has seen uh, an offense as explosive as Prosper's, and that's where you know being able to make those key stops early on in the game and not find yourself down fourteen nothing where you're chasing points, even though that is sort of Eastwood's mo: playing from behind, playing those helter skelter type of crazy games. That is, is what Eastwood likes to do. So, um, you know, it's almost a toss-up in that sense when you look at, at, at what the game could turn into be. Um, but, you know, when I look at, at Prosper and, and what they've done, um, you know, just their body of work on their schedule, you know, you would think they would be a double-digit uh, favorite. But, again, we've counted out Eastwood a few times this year, and I think Coach, uh, Coach Lopez has made that known pretty publicly oh, yeah. about, about people that are doubting them. <laughs> uh, you know, so, hey, if it's working, I'm going to keep doubting Eastwood, and if they come out, I'll eat my crow. But, I mean, you, you just those Dallas-Fort Worth teams, um, you know, from those districts up there, I mean, you know, just looking at their, you know, looking really at those districts four and five of, of, of what type of football and the, and the schedule that they have, you know, this is they're they're ready at this point. You know, there's no wide-eyed, wrist bushy tails, all that stuff. These kids are ready to go. Eastwood's going to be in that same mold too. I think the confidence that Coach Lopez has instilled in his team during this playoff run—it's it, worth a point or two when you're talking about, um, you know, on paper predictions. But you know, to me, I would think Prosper would be a double-digit favorite. Um, but again, Eastwood—they could put up points, man. This this is a very very interesting game. I'm really looking forward to seeing the halftime score on this one, Adrian. Where how close is Eastwood at halftime? Um, you know, to be able to make that run, or are they going to have to continue playing from behind? Or hey, did Eastwood just jump out and take a lead? That's going to be the, the first half of that ball game is going to be very, very important for Eastwood to be able to jump out or keep themselves within striking distance. Because to me, if Eastwood's within two scores, they're still in the ball game. Um, you know, can they limit the turn, lim- limit their mistakes on offense 
and prevent the big play. The big play, I think that's that's what what Prosper is going to go into this game banking on. And if they can limit those two, Eastwood's going to be in this game. Um, over under, how many times Julio Lopez goes for it on fourth down? I would go three, three and a half. Um, you know, this is a game where you're, they're, they're going to be in a lot of those situations. You know, I, I think, yeah. and, and, and I just said it on the Rojo Network spot, uh, podcast before I jumped on here. The playoffs, sometimes it goes down to those fourth and three situations from the opponent's 40. Um, you know, fourth and two from just inside midfield and you're down a score and you need to keep the offense going and maybe you've gotten a few first downs. And, um, you know, those are going to be the decisions and the executions that I think Eastwood's going to face, no doubt about it. You know, and we always joke about about Julio Lopez going for it on fourth down, but I think in in the third round of the playoffs that gets magnified more, especially if you're down in the game. You know, you need to get you need to show confidence in your team and build some confidence on that sideline. So, yeah, I would think those situations are going to come up a lot, especially in a very close game, which this one could be early on. He's Alex Nicolas. He covers fo- uh, football and high school football sports with us here on Football Friday Night. He joins me as my co-host every time we do our Football Friday Night podcast on demand. Alex, I can't thank you enough for all y- your great work this season. I can't wait for the the rest of this season. Like you said, this isn't over. We're, we're continuing, and we got to catch up after this crazy week, and then uh, hopefully we, we talk again next week to preview uh, another round of the playoffs. Oh yeah, man. There's nothing like things. There's nothing about. Uh, there's nothing like driving out to the Midland area during Thanksgiving to this during this high school football playoff time every year. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at NicholasAlex915. I'll have up to date stats, up to the minute stats, uh, updates, and all that good stuff. Player interviews and stuff out there from Midland. So I'm excited, man. I can't wait to hit the road. But we got to eat some turkey first, man. So happy Thanksgiving to yourself and your family, AJ. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, Alex. I really appreciate it again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Go El Paso.